This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. A sign of composure. How many think Moses had composure in that situation? I didn't think so. So Moses drew attention to his own efforts and, and, and his, his own strength by striking the rock with the staff. Now, the water still came because God's gracious and he always provides. But because Moses and Aaron drew attention to themselves and used their own strength, they were denied entry into the promised land. Now, in the Bible, what does the rock represent? And I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson here, okay? Uh, In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, which means rock, that on this rock I will build my church. Okay, so the rock represents the church of God. Now, the rod or the staff, as we learned from Sandra in the last couple weeks, represents a shepherd, okay, one who guides their sheep and leads them in the right direction. Notice that Moses strikes the rock of the church with a rod. He hits the church. He strikes the church. See, it, it's clear that Moses had a love for God. Okay? Nobody's going to argue that. But what I will argue is that maybe Moses didn't have the same love for God's church as he did for God. Okay, if you're going to be in line with God, if you're going to have the same heart as God, you've got to have a heart for God's church. You've got to love his people. Okay, but he struck the church. He struck the people. Also, did you notice in verse 12 that the Lord said, because you did not trust me? So he told Moses to speak, yet he struck. He told him to do one thing, but he did another. He told him to obey, and he disobeyed. Okay, there's a clear act of disobedience on the part of Moses. Yet the Lord says, because you did not trust me. See, the Lord is starting to weave in this, this, this understanding that trust and obedience walk hand in hand. Okay, Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Trust in me and do good, and you will live safely in the land and prosper. Kind of like in the book of James where it talks about having faith and also having works. Okay, trust in me and do good. Have faith and have works. Okay, if Moses had trust in the Lord by his obedience, then his life would have been cut short and he would have been the one leading them into the promised land. Now, something that a lot of us can struggle with is, is we, put, we put a little bit too much trust in ourselves or maybe, maybe too much trust in each other. Okay, Jeremiah 17, verses 5 and 7. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Okay, sometimes... Sometimes God will ask you to do the ridiculous so that he can do the miraculous. Am I right? I mean, for crying out loud, he just asked Moses to speak to a rock so that water would come out of it. I'm, I never went to geology school, but that just sounds crazy. Um, now, <laughs> I thought it was ridiculous when God asked, asked Carly and I to go down to Haiti and teach CPR to a third world country. That made no sense to me. Why would we do that? Okay. But God had, a, God had a bigger plan. Okay? We, we went down with this, this idea, this thought process, that we were going we to teach uh, first aid and hand hygiene. And we thought it was a great plan. Okay? It was awesome. We're going we're gonna to be proactive instead of reactive. But how many know that God likes to knock down the prideful sometimes? Yeah? So within 48 hours of us being there, our entire uh, 10-week plan had been flipped on its head. We suddenly had no idea what we were doing down there. Stressful? Yeah. So we had two options. One, we could either fly back, to, back home to Canada with their tail between our legs, or trust in God. And, and so we sought after God, trying to find out what he wanted. And I want to read you uh, my devotional book for that day, January 4th, 2015. It says this, I want you to learn a new habit. 
Try saying, I trust you, Jesus, in response to whatever happens to you. Adverse circumstances become growth opportunities when you affirm your trust in me no matter what. Hmm. God has a way to speak to you when you're ready to listen, right? Um, so, and also, I mean, three weeks before we got there, somebody actually randomly just shipped 20 CPR dummies for absolutely no reason down there. I think that was kind of a sign for us to teach CPR, yeah? <laughs> um, so we, de- we decided to trust, okay, or as, or as learned earlier, we decided to be obedient, okay? And so we did. We taught CPR to 3,000 people while we were down there. 3,000 people, okay? One of the students that we taught, he was actually at uh, Port-au-Prince at Mardi Gras while we were there, and he witnessed 22 people get electrocuted, 22 people right before his eyes, okay? He had the boldness to grab one of those people off stage and start CPR on that person and brought him back to life, okay? Because we, were, we decided to trust in God, because we, we threw our obedience at him, one person is alive today. Yeah. Isn't God amazing? See, God is the one in control. He sees it all and we don't. All he asks is that we just trust him. Okay? Now, how do we show our trust in him? Okay, I've got, I got three things for you here. Number one, we, we show our trust in God through praise and worship. Okay? Amen. Good. Amen. Amen. Uh, Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. And I burst out in songs and thanksgiving. See, our evidence uh, of trusting in God, it should come out in our praise and worship. How else are you going to respond to God's glory and faithfulness than with a shout of praise? Am I right? We, I think we do that okay here. Yeah? I think we do that fairly well. So, like, j- just any time you get something coming up against you, just be like, oh, man, God, you know, I don't know about the situation over here, but I'm just going to decide to trust in you. Hallelujah! Praise and worship. Okay, God, you know, things are a little tight financially, but, but I'm going to keep tithing and I'm going to keep giving to you. Hallelujah! Praise and worship. I kind of wish I was in the Bible Belt and I could just walk down the street and be like, glory, glory, hallelujah. No? All right, whatever. I'm feeling nutty this morning. Uh, <laughs> Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. Oh, pinkies, yeah, the pinky up thing, whatever that was. Okay, um... Anyways, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Sam for short. Uh, he sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Okay, they defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship uh, any god except their own. So Sam refused to bow down and worship a gold statue. Okay, they knew they trusted in the word, of the, the word of the Lord that said that was, Nay, nay, no, don't do that. Nay, nay. Not a, not a whip, nay, nay, but a, a, a nay, nay. Okay? <laughs> You learn certain things as a youth leader that just come out every now and again, okay? You know what I'm saying? Um, so they, they faced imminent death. These guys were going to die, but their faith didn't waver. Their trust in God didn't waver. They were thrown into a furnace to burn alive, but they didn't because they trusted in God. And the response is amazing. Watch this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar praised God. Because of their testimony of faith, it caused somebody else to give glory to God. Isn't that powerful? Yes. Number two, perseverance in faith. Hebrews two, uh, chapter 10, verse 35 to 36. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward that it brings you. 
Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will and then you will receive all that he has promised. Okay, keep your trust in God. There is actually a reward for those who do. He promises a reward. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. Last December, I went through a, um, a pretty tough period at work. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a paramedic by trade and youth leader by night. Hey, um, can, can I just take a second to brag about our youth? You guys okay with that? These guys, these guys are awesome. They have such a passion and fire for God. I dare you to ask them to pray for you, please. And you will see a fire in them, and it's awesome. It's so good to see. I love these guys. Okay, so anyways, last December, I was told that I was going to be kicked out of a temporary full-time contract. Okay, and this was especially tough for me because I was actually next up for a permanent full-time spot that I've been waiting for five years for, for five years. And... I, I decided, I was, you know, I, there's nothing I can do in my strength. What I can do in my strength pales in comparison to what God can do in his. So I just, I didn't fight. I, I stepped back and I said, God, I leave it in your hands. I was, Carling had to kind of push me in that, but I, I eventually made it there, right? <laughs> um, see, God understands your suffering. Okay? He knows when you're going through tough times, but he always has a plan to turn that around for your good. Do you believe that? Now, we know that we're supposed to live like Jesus and love like Jesus, right? That's, that's the motto of our church. So let's see how Jesus responded when he was wrongly treated or persecuted. Okay, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 to 23, it says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He was perfect. When they hurled insults at him, he didn't retaliate. He was humble. When he suffered, he made no threats. He was silent. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. It's always best to leave it in the Father's hands. That's what Jesus did. Okay? We have to understand things through God's perspective. Okay, nothing gets by him. You guys know that, right? He sees everything. I mean, God knows, God knows how many hairs are on your head. And for me, in 10 years, you'll be able to count that on one hand. <laughs> he knows how many cells are in your body, and he keeps that working every day for good. Okay, look all around us. God has everything under control. Look at the earth. Okay, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. Okay, if the earth were, were, were one, one degree further away from the sun, we'd all freeze. If it were one degree closer to the sun, we, we'd all burn up. Okay, how about, how about the air we breathe? Okay, there's such a perfect combination of nitrogen and oxygen so that you and I can breathe every day. God has absolutely everything in control and that includes you. Don't you think he's worthy of your trust and praise if he can keep all that going for thousands of years? Absolutely, absolutely. See, God mightily protects those who let him respond to unfair treatment. Those who let him respond. God Almighty will right all wrongs in his perfect timing. Jesus didn't have to fight for his own rights, and neither do we. Okay? Luke chapter 18, verses 7 to 8. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? He will see that they get justice, and quickly. Not only is God going to respond, but God's going to respond quickly. Okay? So back to my story. Two days later, I was called by my manager and, and told that I actually wasn't going to be kicked out of my, own, my contract. And, and not only did I not lose a day's wage, or one hour's wage, I also didn't lose one hour's seniority. And three weeks later, I got called, and God blessed me with that permanent full-time job. Yeah. See, it takes faith and trust to not fight back when you're being mistreated. And to leave it in the hands of God instead of fighting for yourself. The Bible says, don't avenge yourself, 
but give place to wrath. For vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. By rising up and defending yourself at all costs, you actually you forfeit your spiritual right for protection. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. It's not up for you to repay. It's not up, for, up to you to avenge yourself. See, I could have easily been my own lawyer in that, in that situation, but I'd rather have the guy that wrote the book on the law defend me instead. So when you're suffering, when you're being mistreated or you're going through persecution, start celebrating, okay? Do the opposite. Throw a party, okay? Because God is going to turn things around for your good. Do you believe that? Now, I'm a bodybuilder. Thanks, Ruel. I love you, buddy. I almost couldn't even say that with a straight face. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a spiritual bodybuilder. You guys okay with that? Hey, all right. So, when, when you lift weights, you're literally, you're, you're, you're pulling, you're stretching, you're tearing all the muscle fibers in there. And so your arm, you're lifting weights, Okay. That's why it hurts, because you're tearing things. They're being pulled apart. It's, it's not natural. So when you, when you start the healing process, your body starts flowing blood to that area, and you actually, you actually grow new muscle on top of that. Then you become bigger and stronger. Okay? The same goes when your faith and trust are tested in God. There's a pulling and stretching and tearing. You're brought to a point of testing, and in the same way that fitness training is uncomfortable, so is your faith training uncomfortable sometimes. However, it's beneficial. Okay? If you trust God by putting your faith strength in him, he will take you from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and from strength to strength. Do you believe that? All right, number three on how do we show our trust in God. We hold on to God's promises. Hold them tight. Psalm 130, verse 5. I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I've put my hope in his word. In other words, I'm, I'm going to trust in the Lord, and I'm, I'm putting my hope in his word and his promise. Not just, not just hearing God's word, but obeying it and daily walking in it. Okay, Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Okay, we just learned that we're to put our hope and trust in God's word. Well, his word just says that, that to trust him, and he will act. Right? So God is going to act if we, if we put our trust and hope in God's word. Now, the, the word commit here, the, the Hebrew for that, it, it literally means to throw. Okay, throw your way to the Lord. Throw your trust in the Lord. Okay, throw your circumstances at God. Throw those that you're praying for at God. Now, in order to throw something, I'm going to use a football analogy here if you're okay with it. Uh, a quarterback, when he's holding the ball and he throws it to a receiver, Joel Ketch. Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, you, have to, you have to physically let go of the ball. Let it go, let it go. Um, so in order, in order to throw something, you actually have to let it go. Okay? And when the quarterback's already let go of the ball and the receiver's running for a touchdown, he's not thinking about that ball anymore. He's already thinking about the next play, right? So in order to throw something, we need, we need to let it go. Okay? Throw your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will act. Now, what are some of the promises of trusting in God? i got five things for you here. Number one, God promises peace. Romans 15, 13, God, the source of our hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. How many today are looking for peace? How many today are looking for, for some situational joy in whatever you're going through? Put your trust in God, and he will be your peace. Okay, number two, God promises security. Psalm 37, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good, and then you will live safely in the land and prosper. 
And Proverbs 29, verse 25, trusting in the Lord means safety. Means safety. See, it's required that we trust in the Lord and do good, that we confide in God and conform to him. Okay, it's not enough that, that, that we, that we uh, trust in God and then just live as we desire, nor is it enough for us to, to think to do good and then just trust in ourselves. No, we must both trust in the Lord and do good. Okay, now those who trust in the Lord are kept safe, it says in Proverbs there. Now, the, this is really cool. The, the Hebrew word, the Hebrew text for the verb kept safe is a word called sagab. Okay, sagab. And it literally means to be inaccessibly high or exalted. Okay? Those who trust in the Lord will be inaccessibly high or exalted. Those who trust in the Lord will be held inaccessible away from the enemy. Okay? God, God is literally going to give you a piggyback ride if you put your trust in him. A piggyback ride with Jesus. If you get one thing out of this message, know that you can have a piggyback ride with Jesus. Scott said, I can have a piggyback ride with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Number three, God promises prosperity. He promises prosperity. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 25. Greed causes fighting. Trusting in the Lord causes prosperity. Okay, those who trust in the Lord will be successful. Okay, they'll enjoy themselves and have abundant satisfaction in God. No one lives more, more, more pleasantly as those who live by faith. And number four, God promises strength. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Is anybody feeling overwhelmed today? Anybody feel pushed to the breaking point that I got such burden on their shoulders? Put your trust in God and he will be your strength. Put your trust in the Lord and he will carry you. Put your trust in the Lord and he will set you high on wings like eagles. Or he'll give you a piggyback ride, one or the other. Your choice, your choice. And number five, God promises his help. Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Okay, submit your situation to him and he will guide you. He will do what you can't in your situation. Now, how do we, how do we walk all this out? Okay, this, this is my favorite part. I apologize if I get all wild, crazy. Um, so I believe that this year is significant for our church. Who believes that? Who believes that this year is a powerful year for our church? Okay. Um, and I believe that prayers have been answered in our church. Just ask Joe and Dion if God answers prayer. Yeah, do they answer prayer? Amen. Yeah. So I believe that our church is going to start trusting God in a bigger way. I believe that we're going to start believing for bigger things. We're going to start thinking for bigger things. And most importantly, we're going to start praying for bigger things. Do you guys, are you guys okay with that? Can I say that? Okay. Because of your faith, Jesus told the blind man, you will be healed. Or because of your unshakable trust, you will be healed. See, the devil wants to tell you to live, a, to live a small life, to live an insignificant life, so that your impact in the world will be minimal. And if I can be, if I can be so bold as to say that the, the busyness in our lives is deterring us from our prayer life. You guys okay with that? If, if he can keep us busy, he can keep, it, it can keep us off our knees in prayer. Okay, and that's not a good place to be. He wants you to believe for little. He wants you to believe for weakness wants you to believe for sickness. Okay, but God, God wants you to believe for big things. God wants you to believe for power. God wants you to believe for strength. God wants you to believe for healing. God wants you to believe for a big life. Amen. Hey! <laughs> did you know, did you know that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective? James 
And in the NLT, it says it has great power and produces wonderful results. Who amongst us is righteous? Just the pastors? Are they the only ones that are righteous? You're all righteous. We're all righteous children of God. Do you believe that? Yes. And why are we righteous? Why are we righteous? I'll tell you. In Romans 4 verse 3, it says that Abraham was counted as righteous because of his faith. Because of his unshakable trust in God, he was counted as righteous. So if, if, we can, uh, we, if, if we're all righteous, we can all have those prayers, right? We can all have prayers that are powerful and effective and, and produce wonderful results, okay? It's your steadfast faith that moves heaven and transforms your prayers. If we can truly grasp this concept and get a hold of this principle, I believe we're going to move mountains and we're going to see signs and wonders in our city. Hebrews 4.16 in the NLT says that we are to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Okay? Boldness is defined as this. Freedom in speaking okay, with confidence and being relentless in our pursuit to God. See, our boldness, it will result in an increase in faith. And that increased faith will lead, lead to an increase of God's grace over, over your life and, and will, will inevitably transform your life into one of unshakable trust and, and transform your prayer life. Okay? Now, what gives us the ability to step into that boldness? You might be saying this morning that, oh, man, I'm a nobody. I can't do that. How am I supposed to do that? No, you're an everybody. In the eyes of God, you are, you are his child. You, he is the king, right? We all agree that he's the king. Amen? As sons and daughters of the king, you are an heir to royalty. You have an inheritance. You are worthy of something. We should, we should come asking, asking at, the, at the throne of God in faith and never doubting. Okay? We should come with a spirit of adoption at his kingdom as children. Because it is our spiritual right. We have a boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of, of Jesus. Okay? He is our advocate. He paid the price with the blood in his hands. See, God wishes a faith which is not ashamed of endurance, yes. but entertains the highest of expectations. Yes. you believe that? Amen. We need to start believing for bigger things. Okay, I can just imagine God sitting up there on his throne looking down on us as we start getting fired up in prayer. See, remember that he responds to our faith, right? And, and as we start asking and believing for bigger and better things, he starts jumping for joy. Okay? He starts jumping for joy. Finally, someone who's asking me for the impossible. Finally, someone who gets it and believes that I am the God of the impossible and I am willing to blow them out of the water with a miracle. <laughs> Joe's mom was on her deathbed. Okay? She was on life support. They started bringing family in to say their goodbyes. She was on the ventilator for, for two days and our church started praying big. Watch out. Our church started praying bold. So we prayed that not only would she come out of the hospital, but that she would be healthier when she got out than before she even got sick. And not only did she recover from being on that ventilator, not only did she walk out of the hospital, but she doesn't need the pain meds that she's been on for 25 years. If that's not God's miraculous grace and perfect healing, I don't know what is. And I believe that this year is significant for our church, and, and I believe that that event was huge in catapulting us in, in, our, in our faith. And, and I believe that this message is very timely and encouraging how, how your prayers are, um, how your prayers can be, be um, transformed into something that leads you to an unshakable, tr- excuse me, unshakable trust.
Okay, it's time that we be bold with our prayers. It's time that we ask not just that your friend gets saved, but how about all 500 of your Facebook friends get saved? It's time that we pray not just that Joe's mom experienced healing. How about the entire hospital at KGH get healed? It's time, it's time that not just your next-door neighbor come to Christ. How about everybody in the city of Kingston come to Christ for the glory of God? Because God is faithful and he responds to our faith. What gives us the confidence and boldness to ask for such a crazy thing? It's in God's word. Okay, the book of Joel, good word. Uh, chapter 2, verse 32. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. See, God taught us that through the, the, the humble prayer of a sinner, that, that he would bring salvation to his people. Is there any bolder prayer requests that we can ask than for, for God to save a sinner from eternity in the grave? Absolutely not. See, God desires everyone to be saved. Believe in faith that God is working in, in your situation, even though you may not see results right away. Okay, if you're praying for someone to get saved, don't stop praying. Okay, there may be months or even years of below-the-surface work on the part of the Holy Spirit before you even see any, any kind of shift. Okay, but don't stop praying because God is working. Okay, don't stop praying just because they're falling further away from Christ. Because it could be your very next prayer that opens heaven and changes the tide in that person's life to bring them towards Christ. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. All things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it, says the Lord. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in only the small things, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Is that what that says? No. It says in everything. In everything. God, I'm not praying just for my lost car keys. God, I'm praying that my prodigal son or daughter would return home. Now, it's all well and good to talk about how to have big, bold prayers, but how do, we, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, let's look at God's Word, okay? The Lord's Prayer, He taught us how to pray, right? See, the Lord's Prayer was very precise. It was a pinpoint prayer, okay? There was no fluff. There were no heavy words. There were no big Bible, scholarly-like words in there. It was simple and childlike in faith, okay? We don't need these huge prayer words. Sometimes we overthink prayer. I'll give you a great example of this. Mom, close your ears. Or whatever. So two years ago, um, I was driving on the 401 to church, and I was in the far left lane in the SUV, and I hit a patch of ice, and I started sliding ever so closely to that big concrete barrier. I said three simple words out loud. I said, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. It was bold, it was direct, and it was out of childlike faith. And God answered immediately. I found a dry piece of pavement and back onto the highway I went. See, we need to grow up and pray like children. Is it okay, is it okay if I say that? How's that for a quote? We need to grow up and pray like children. Okay? Um, we need to start taking risks in our prayers. Okay? Let's look at some examples of bold praying in, in the Bible. Okay, in, in Acts chapter 4, the disciples asked God for boldness and courage in the face of persecution instead of deliverance from it. Okay, and in Acts chapter 9, Peter prayed for Dorcas to be brought back to life. Ah, I love that name. Can we name our firstborn Dorcas? <laughs> she said yes! She said yes! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's got to mean something good. I don't know. Okay, and... <laughs> And in Acts chapter 12, it was a bold prayer in Acts chapter 12 when, when, when the church prayed all night for Peter's release from prison. And in every single case, God answered with, 
kingdom power. Yes? Now notice that all these examples are from the book of Acts. Okay? The, the first church, the early church. And I believe that God is taking impact. He's sending them in the DeLorean of Back to the Future and transporting us back 2,000 years to be like the book of Acts. Are you guys okay with that? Shaking us down to the foundation of what church should be. And I believe that we can learn a thing or two from seeing how they pray. Okay? Prayer plays one of the most significant roles in that. Okay? And this, I believe this is so like, perfectly timed because we're entering into this 21-day fast and prayer, right? Amazing things are going to happen, okay, you guys? I think this is so timely and so perfectly timed that, that we're going to, oh, guys, we are going to move mountains. Do you guys believe that? Like, <laughs> Kingston used to be in the Rocky Mountains, but pretty soon we're going to be in the plains. You guys believe that? We also need to start praying more in groups, and that's why I think this is a good thing that's happened in the 21 days. Acts 1 verse 14 says they met constantly in prayer. Okay, and Matthew, uh, there's, so there's power in numbers. Okay? Matthew 18, verse 19 says, If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. Think about it. The most powerful gatherings in the world are those that meet in Jesus' name. When they, when they meet uh, seeking his glory and, and seeking alignment with him, Jesus is there. There is more power in our Monday night prayer meetings than there is in the House of Commons or the Oval Office. There is more power, there are more things happening in our 15-minute pre-service prayer meeting than there is in the United Nations General Assembly. Do you guys believe that? If you've ever been to one of those 15-minute pre-service prayer, you would believe that. Remember that Jesus said, I will give you, the church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So, what does it mean to me to trust in God? Okay, trusting God is saying thank you to a bold prayer request before it's even answered. Trusting God means walking in obedience. Trusting God means believing for today's puzzle piece instead of for the whole picture. Hmm. And trusting God is leaving all your circumstances in his capable hands. See, the Lord does an interesting thing the more that we put our trust in him, the more that he will reward us and also reveal himself to us. Sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes God will ask us to do the, the simplest and also the most difficult thing. He'll ask that we suspend our own common knowledge and logic sometimes and just close our eyes and trust Him. He says, stop trying and start trusting. We have an opportunity collectively as a church to go deeper. Amen. To take another step. Okay, but we have to get out of our natural mindset and into a supernatural thought process. We have an opportunity as a church to, to align for some very big moments with a very big God. Amen. You guys believe that? Amen. Could you imagine what would happen if we as a church started praying like the impossible would be made possible because God Amen. is the God of the impossible? Amen. Could you imagine if every city in the every church in the city of Kingston started praying like they did in the Acts Church? Guys, we would, we would do amazing things. Could you imagine the terror on the devil's face? when we start tearing down walls that he's been building up this city for 200 years. I want to leave you. I want to leave you with this quote. I want to leave you with this quote from Lisa Bevere that says this about our prayer. If you're not praying the types of prayers that scare you, you're certainly not frightening our enemy. It's time to be bold with our prayers. It's time to take risks with our prayers. Okay, I want to encourage you today to trust big, to pray big, 
and to believe big. Amen. Because we serve a mighty big God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.